Welcome to Geared for Growth. My next guest is someone that's been described as Tarzan with a calculator. It's James Trithui. Now, he's pretty famous for being a contestant on The Bachelor with Sophie Monk, and that's where that uh, definition came from. But he's also a pretty clever dude, a financial planner, and owns his own business. So we have a chat to him about The Bachelor, of course, but about his tips for managing your budget, getting to the next level with your finances and getting that financial freedom we all crave. Without further ado, here is James. James Trithui, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. No worries. Thanks for having me. How'd I go with the pronunciation? I didn't mess that up, hopefully. No, you actually nailed it. Um, You know, (laughs) Usually, it's the first thing. Uh, yeah, someone someone can um, quite easily mispronounce. Start off on a good footing. Um, now, just to, to kick us off, can you sort of let us know who you are and what you specialise in? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, James Trithui, um work as a financial advisor, and I guess just specialise in you know holistic advice. So that's the the qualification. So you know, there's a range of um, areas that you provide clients advice in, uh, and I'm working uh, in and with an accounting firm as well. So, you know, they're quite good to sort of take care of businesses and the tax side of things yeah, as well. Yeah, awesome. And we're seeing that a little bit more often, aren't we? Financial planners and accountants are actually working together rather than, you know, sometimes pulling in different directions when they're in different houses. It's a, it's a perfect marriage. Um, you know, it, it certainly goes hand in hand because, you know, I think traditionally clients have always viewed the accountants as, um, you know, they're sort of, key advisors and you know they've certainly got um you know a long relationship especially if they're in business and so to marry the two together with financial advice and accounting it just works really well it it sort of uh it it just makes sense now we're going to dig into some 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 more dirt a little bit later but just starting off slow what what posters were on the bedroom wall growing up (laughs) the posters on the wall um there were it was surfing and uh i think that ralph magazine (laughs) 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 <laughs> and you're you're a manly boy, right? So you'll be you'll be shredding left, right, and centre. Yeah, so definitely. Um, yeah, I grew up in Tassie, and I've been in Manly now for five years, and love it here. So um, yeah, just love getting in the ocean and surfing. It's awesome. What are the, the Tassies? I, I saw something about Shipstern's Bluff. Is it, that's a Tassie one, right? It's a monster. It is. Yeah, it's quite. quite yeah, it's it's quite heavy. It's um yeah, it's a pretty serious <laughs> setup down there. Um, they're sort of towing in with jet skis and 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 I like it. You can it. keep that one. Full on. um, so, how how did you get yeah. <laughs> started in 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 property in the property space and and what was your first investment? Um, so in the property space, um, I, I've not got a foot on the market in property at all. Um, uh, you know, I've sort of got investments, um, you know, outside of property. Um, but I guess just in terms of um, you know getting into advice and uh, finance and everything like that. Uh, you know, at school was, you know, pretty sporty. Um, we, you know, we, we got a, a kind of a general overview of, of everything as you do. Um, and then I kind of went off and, um, you know, did rowing coaching at a school for a gap year. And uh, I came back to uni and I studied international business and I studied marketing. And I started working for an American company in Australia in shipping right. um, and imports. Um, and that was pretty cool. Like it was, um, you know, opens you up to global markets. Um, you know, you're sort of dealing with big clients 
Um, and, and I think you get good kind of exposure across the board for accounts management and finance and deadlines. And I think a lot of things that help you, you know, develop and shape your career. So, yeah, I, I did that for a couple of years, um, two or three years. But after that sort of time, I think I kind of, it just sort of was wearing off and, and I sort of was then, I think, properly spending time readdressing and looking at, I think, what I wanted to do in life. And um, so, yeah, I guess I went through, you know, those processes, you get the blank yep. piece of paper and, you know, you write down things you love doing. Classic and, financial. You know, it was, um, yeah, it is, yeah. And um, I, I didn't even know I was doing it. Apparently, it's got a technique. The life coaches and people like that call it a, a name where you, you do do that. And so I thought, look, the best thing is not write down a job title, work the other way around. And, you know, if I could sort of work in a day, what would I love to do? And, yeah, a big thing for me was helping people uh, and then, you know, not with sort of a one-off thing. It was more long-term relationships. So not like selling a car or, a, you know, a TV or something like that or, or helping someone um, and, and definitely not medicine. I, like, I, I think I'd pass out at the side of, um, you know, needles and blood. But, um, yeah, just I, I wrote down a lot of that stuff and, and it was, um, you know, strategy and planning and, um, you know, I think that long-term sort of relationship aspect with the clients and um yeah i kind of ended up with this page full of full of stuff full of things and um yeah i went around talking to people about what that would look like or what type of jobs they were and i'll never forget it was it was quite funny someone said oh it sounds like financial planning and i just said um oh you're kidding uh, and they said no 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 why and i said oh um <laughs> My dad's uh, an advisor, like he's been a financial planner for about 50 years. I just thought he was, uh, you know, like a investment banking type thing. And, and, you know, like I wasn't sort of, I didn't realize there was such an emphasis on the, the holistic values, goals, you know, advice side. I thought it was just a pure, uh, you know, yeah. investment uh, <laughs> sort of role. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. So I called him up and I was pretty sheepish. I just said, oh, look, um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind getting into that. So I, that's how I got in and, and started studying and, and I've been kind of doing it for yeah, nearly eight years now and I think he's almost in yeah. his 50th year, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's just funny how you kind of end up following yeah. in, in their well, footsteps from an outsider's perspective, uh, without even like, meeting Oh, he's a financial planner because his old man was a financial planner. You went around the world trying to, to sort of find the role to fit what you want to, to achieve and then you went, oh, actually, that's a coincidence. That's a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a weird way to get there. It is. And um, oh, it's been amazing because, you know, as you know, the wealth of knowledge that you get from, um, you know, time in a role like that, and him being an advisor for 50 years uh, has just got so much knowledge there, um, you know, that he's accumulated. And I think to be able to pass that on uh, to, to me and everything he's learned along the way uh, is just invaluable. So, you know, it's kind of like that 50 years is caught up in my eight. And, you know, yeah, I guess that together, you know, there's sort of, yeah, 58 years there. And, um, you know, I think just, yeah, I'm just so happy and, and stoked that, you know, that's that's how it is. So I'm kind of pretty proud. And for us as well, it's been good because 
you know, I call him every second day or vice versa, and we can share and talk about strategies and tips. And so from our own relationship, you know, that, that's that, grown in another dimension. I'm sure so, that would be rewarding yeah. for him as well. You know, dads go through a fair period where their son's maybe not thinking they're the coolest people in the world, and suddenly you'll come back and you're like, oh, Dad, you you actually know a bit of stuff, you know. And he's like, all right, I've been waiting for this, son. <laughs> It's pretty funny too because so, um, you know, he, he's sort of got this, you know, the wealth of, of knowledge there and, um, you know, I'm able to kind of jump in and help out with, um, yeah, I guess sort of, um, you know, practice modern, modernization and technology and, uh, you know, I guess new, new ways of doing things and so yeah, it's awesome. kind of cool. Now, like um, we're going to have to talk about this elephant in the room and, and maybe just sort of shove it to the side at some point. You're on the, you're on the Bachelor. Um, now, now I, I first came across you on uh, Your Money TV, and, and like Brooke, I, I didn't watch it, but I've been briefed by uh, the younger members of the team that um, you didn't win. I'm not sure exactly what that means. I guess you're short of a rose. Um, but uh, Sophie described you as Tarzan with a calculator, so that's that's got to be a compliment, right? So you, you took something out of it. Oh, absolutely. It was pretty funny, I think, you know, kind of going in there. Uh, and and, and I, I was terrified because, you know, as a professional, you, you just don't know how that's going to kind of, you know, potentially impact your, your work or your, really you know, your career. I was really actually. Um, was, was that something so, you thought, I could, I, could really, I could really biff this and maybe have to start a new career? <laughs> yeah, I, look, I did. And I think it's probably then, you know, comes back to advice sometimes as well that uh, I, there, there's no real – kind of black and white yes or no it's not like with financial advice where uh you know you're kind of looking at assets and situations and you can kind of really determine a plan but there's always that element of um you know what is your gut telling you or what is your intuition and and, and with this there, you can't see the end so you don't know so there's no numbers to base it off it's just it is literally just a, a, a bit of a, a risk um and you let fear or fear of failure stop you or, you know, do you just sort of grasp it and take it on and, you know, give it a, give it a shot and see what happens and, and come out the other side and, and know that whatever happens, you'll still push on. And, and it was a bit like that because, yeah, I think sitting there I thought, you know, if I'm 80, 90, whatever down the track, yeah. I, I'd probably always wonder what if. I'd probably sit there and think, was I, did I miss an opportunity or did I did I have done that? And if I did, I wonder would life have been different or what would have happened? And I think for me that, would have, that was the biggest driving factor was that I didn't want to be wondering at that stage, should I have done this or not? And... Without a doubt, it was just to remove yeah. that kind of from my life, and so um, yeah, just jumped in full, full head on, and uh, it was just funny because yeah, I think with the uh, uh, you know with that uh, you know that experience there with that Tarzan bit, it was just that um, you know there, there was a manly challenge, and it was about changing a tire, and there was an element <laughs> of building flat pack furniture, which I think everybody's. To do that at some time with a partner, um, you know, and it's ended up in hours of arguments on the lounge room floor. Um, and then, yeah, it was lighting a fire with flint and everything. And I think it was just quite funny because you've got some, you know, masculine guys there saying how they're going to win. 
uh, and then you know you kind of just come along like the dark horse and and clean that, up there. That, so uh, it was quite take funny. The boy out of Tassie, but can't take Tassie out of the boy, right? Yeah, you, you would have had to learn your way around a piece of flint growing up down there, surely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, uh, survival training, Boy Scouts, all of that stuff. So um, yeah, it was pretty well first in how to handle those kind of situations. Awesome. Now, there, I've, I've, I've read uh, a little bit about some of these reality shows, you know, like the My Kitchen Rules or the renovation shows where essentially they, they sleep deprive the contestants and then they sort of poke them in with sticks until one of them snaps and they're like, quick, don't miss this. Was there any sort of aspect of that? Was it a true-to-life portrayal or was, was there a bit of a stitch-up job? Were they trying to get you sort of to be overly emotional or aggressive or anything like that? You haven't, you haven't, no, you haven't think, signed a non, yeah. non-disclosure or anything. I had a great experience, and you know, it was it was um, it was fine, and I didn't see any of that. And I think it was true to its, you know, portrayal. Um, I know you sort of, I think, you know, yeah, you hear about it or see stuff, and it might be those other shows, but um, you know, this was this was fine. Like this was this was great. Um, so you know, I don't know you know, what those other ones are all like. But, um, no, look, the experience was um, was good and, um, yeah, I didn't sort of see anything like that going on. But, you know, there's plenty of sh- shows out there now about it, it all and, um, and, and articles and, and everything from, from people who have been on them. Um, but it's probably just case-by-case case yeah. basis, I guess. Speaking of which, you've got another one yeah. coming up, right? Is, is that something that we can talk about or is that embargoed? Oh no no I'm not um, yeah I, I'm I'm not uh, doing anything or I'm not allowed to talk about doing anything. Right. Okay, uh, we'll we'll let that yeah. one go now. Um, <laughs> the last one. I, I I always like to sort of try and ask people questions that maybe they haven't necessarily had uh, over and over again. I'm interested in how sick you are of people asking about the show when you think it'll end. It's such a long big time or part of you know my life like it was quite like you know it's very real it's it's um and then you kind of come off and i think that the 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 people watching it share that with you because they're kind of tuning in every week and following your journey so for them it's real too because they can see it uh so yeah and i think that you know like anyone you if you see somebody who's you know been on screen or done something like that that you know, you kind of want to reach out and, um, yeah, you, you know, say hi or, or how was it and, and check in. And, you know, I think coming off of that, it was happening about uh, at least like 50 times a day, you know, on the street. So, you know, everyone wanting selfies and, <laughs> and just to say hi. And <laughs> so it's, it's quite funny. But, yeah, look, um, definitely dies off. And I think that, you know, I live in Manly Beach, so I think all the people in Manly are pretty sick of me. I mean, you know, they see you everywhere, but certainly if you end up in a new suburb or a new area that, you know, you've not spent time in, uh, you, you know, you tend to find a lot of people looking at you and, um, yeah, so it's quite funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll post you a beard and some sunnies after the, after the interview just in case you need <laughs> Look, we're going to have to segue back to, to finance at some point. And I think that um, there's a little bit of a connection to an article that you wrote, actually, which is about how it's important to have a, a 
a finance talk in a relationship. Um, so so yep. I wanted to sort of ask you about this and, and, and why you think it's important to be on the same page and, and what that sort of chat and, and plan looks like. Well, I guess the context of it is that a lot of people in relationships, you don't want to get too serious or too heavy too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fun and lighthearted and, and it should be. And I guess there comes a time where if you are starting to get serious, there are kind of conversations or responsibilities or questions that I think need to be had just to set your relationship up for longevity and strength in the future. And even though they may be uncomfortable or even though it might be weird or feel a bit sort of um, bored or strange. You know, the reality of it is um, if you take that kind of emotion out of it and you just look at it logically is, well, you know, if we're going to end up together and we're going to end up with kids and grandkids at some stage and a long life with, you know, mortgages and property and, you know, we're going to be working and supporting each other, you know, that's that's sort of the maybe not the, the the exact goal for everybody, but that's sort of what happens generally. So, um, and there's and there's a lot of pathways in getting there. Um, and so, I think even just stripping it back to just before it's all about the finances, it's sort of like, well, you know, what's your idea of retirement? And I tell you why it's important, like. I, I remember being out hiking and I spent about eight hours hiking in the bush. Um, I was just on my own randomly. I just felt like, you know, just getting out. I'm getting I'm and picking I up this up. Tarzan vibe, by the way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like I ended up at this, um, you know, end of, the, end of the track of kind of come out of the track. Um, you know, I was, I was going to catch the train back to where I started. So it was, um, you know, and there's some cafes and restaurants. And, um, you know, it was pretty busy, this like fish and chip shop. And a bloke who's come off a motorbike, um, you know, kind of, I guess, in his 60s, has, you know, just asked to sit down at my table, um, you know, because it's quite busy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, mate, go for it. And we start chatting and he's just retired and he finally has bought the motorbike, he's wanting to do the travel, he's wanting to see the world and he's wanting to do all this stuff and his wife has completely opposite plans. She, she just wants to sit at home and watch soaps and Netflix and she's happy just doing that. And not once he said that they really had that conversation. Oh, wow. So they've, they've got kids together They've had a life together working um, and they never had the conversation and so now they're getting divorced. And as hard as that is, uh, it's it's not ideal to be doing that at that stage because of, um, I guess, you know, uh, you can basically wipe half your assets if you're getting divorced and, um, you know, it, it can take some time to recover financially from that. But, look, the main thing is somebody's happiness. So, you know, to go your whole life, I think, and it's easy if you're both going to work 
because you know you've you, you're literally at work. You come home, you cook you cook uh, meals. You know you got the kids there. You're kind of doing your own thing. But if you're completely off the same, um, you're not on the same page, then there's no longevity in in, in that. And if there is, one of you isn't going to be happy. And that's why we've got a 60, it's about a 60% divorce ratio in Australia. And, um, you know, so I think that, yeah, look, you know, you don't want to have a heavy conversation in your 30s or 20s. But if you kind of think of going, well, where do I want to end up? You know, I mean, one of you might, might love the ocean. You might want to live by the beach. One of you might love the city and want to live in the city. Someone might want to live in the mountains or, um, you know, a, a completely different state, like go go back home to where they grew up or, you know, you, you just don't know. So if you kind of figure out a bit of that and then kind of work it back to some sort of compromise, I think at least you're sort of aware of, you know, are we, are we generally heading in the same direction or are we kind of at a juncture where we're going to, we're going to completely deviate and, and, and not get there. And I mean, look, everybody changes over time. Like, you know, you, your goals change, your, you know, your, your desires change and everything. But I think if you start to kind of flesh this stuff out and that's all the lifestyle piece, and then you kind of bring it back to finance and, you know, it's just kind of working out, well, you know, how do we look at um, getting through these next stages of our life? Because, um, you know, I guess typically if you're getting engaged or thinking about getting engaged or you've just gotten engaged, you can look at, you know, the wedding and, and how you're going to afford the wedding and whether financially it makes the right decision to have a, a full extravagant wedding or potentially save some of that for your home deposit and do something smaller or low key. Uh, and and you've got to kind of get on the same page with all of that, and it's a good idea to start to work out a plan and merge finances, and I think just start to kind of, you know, it, it's a really good time to get advice. I think as well in in terms of getting fundamentals right and setting yourself up for, you know, I guess the the short, medium, long I term. Think a pretty tragic example is of of one of the sort of off cited reasons for divorce you know obviously you have things in common oh we we both like adam sandler and lattes but i want to live in the country or i want to live with the by the beach when we grow up i've i've certainly got a couple of agenda points to bring up with the wife um because i can't get divorced there's no roses waiting for me i can assure you um, <laughs> James, you you've certainly uh, focused a lot of attention in some of the media and stuff that you've you've done on on younger people. Is is that uh, for any particular reason? Like thinking that's where you can provide the most value, or or, or are young people that need the most help with finances? I'm I'm interesting in interested in in what your thoughts are of sort of our financial literacy out of school. Um, look, I think financial literacy in school is terrible. Uh, it was certainly my experience. And I think that, you know, even in talking to dad as an advisor himself about it, I think there's a lot of assumption probably from parents that you get taught all this stuff at school or that, you know, they take care of a lot of things. But uh, a lot of the, the things being taught in school uh, you know, and there's a lot of memes out there and people kind of laughing about it, but it's not really applicable. Like, I, I don't know 
when I've ever had to use uh, was it Pythagoras theorem or you know you know you're buying a coffee at a shop and had to work out um, you know complex um, you know fractions and, and things like that I get you know, I, I use all the time percentages um, you know uh, multiplications you know so I use a lot of stuff in calculations and percentages and, and in finance and investing and returns and you know so Look, I, I do that, and then people in accounting do that. But a lot of it's sort of, uh, I guess, engineers would use a lot of that sort of yeah. complex math. But I think that the vast majority, um, you know, would never need it again. But what they would really benefit from is knowing how to get themselves set up. Um, you know, getting out of kind of, um, you know, even at school at an early age. Um, you know, we've got the record level of household debt in the world. And, you know, that's sort of not really an accident. It's just been, you know, everyone's had access to easy credit with credit cards. I don't think, you know, potentially understood or, or know what that means and how it, how it all works properly. Um, so people probably learning lessons in the harder, harder ways and, um, you know, I think that it's, it is pretty tough to get work out of school and out of uni and there's a lot of competition. I mean, I know that I graduated in the GFC and it was, it was near impossible for a lot of us to get work at that time. And, you know, if you talk to uni students as well who are trying to break in, um, it is difficult for them. I, you know, a lot of people like employers, you know, yeah, they want experience and there's a lot of people out there that say when the GFC was on had had a couple of years experience, um, they'd been let go and they were going back to the beginning to apply for the grad jobs that we were going for. So it was kind of like this bit of a circle there. So, um, you know, I do think that young people need a hand, uh, their hand held or some guidance or, a push in the right direction, stand on their own feet and navigate the first sort of, I guess, five to 10 years out of school whilst they're going through university through to, to I guess, employment and that first stage of their life. Uh, but, you know, having said that too, there's an enormous amount of people that are in a kind of preparation for retirement or 10 years out of retirement uh, phase, and they really need advice. And we've got a aging population so that there's an, an enormous amount of people in that uh, in that age demographic that are kind of coming through. Um, so it's funny. It's not really right or wrong or one or the other. It is everybody. And it's very applicable to the life stage they're in. And I think that, there's a misconception that you need advice, you know, at a stage where you've got a lot of money or you need advice only when you're retiring or, you know, at, at a critical moment. And to be honest, you know, I, people will benefit from advice all the way through their life because there's so many things changing in their own life, but also with legislation and, um, you know, changes to politics and governments and investments and products. And so to have somebody help you with that, navigate it and take tax into considerations, um, you know, invaluable. 
you know, like I've seen people that come to see you for the first time and they've never had advice and they, they're yeah, retiring wow. next year. <laughs> and they yeah. and they say, uh, yeah, look, you know, so I'll look, you know, why did you want to come see us? What brought you in here? And they say, uh, oh, look, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for retirement, so I'm, I'm ready to come and see you. Uh, I've come for advice. And, you know, being an advisor or being a planner, you can help them with what they've got. But had that person yeah, come to you 20 years earlier, they're about to retire. It's almost too late to help. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of put on some band-aids and help set them up for the next phase with what they've got. But what they're sitting on, you know, could have been twice as twice as much more. Or I mean, you, you know, you can't, you can't say that. You can't say, oh, you know, it's, it's different for every sort of circumstance. So you can't just kind of say, oh, you'll be this much better off. But you'll definitely have made better decisions or started to do some strategies to, I guess, set yourself yeah. up for a better retirement. And, um, and that's applicable all through life because people make decisions and those decisions can have a massive impact for the rest of your life. And if it's a bad decision, it can take a long time to fix or, or, or get ahead from that. And that's where the benefit of having someone you can just call and double check something before you, yep. you make an action or take a move uh, can, can you know, make an enormous difference you in your life. You yeah. about um, Australia winning or losing, depending on how you look at it, the highest uh, household debt. I- I'm interested in, in the connection between financial planners and property. Typ- typically, it sort of appears like fin- financial planners are allergic to, to property. Um, skeptics might sort of say, well, that's not where they make their money. They're, you know, they're making money putting you into, into different funds and that sort of thing. Is there something to that or or is it just more about hmm. uh, financial advisors not having the property qualifications? Uh, but it, you know, it, it certainly feels like um, financial the, planners aren't necessarily typically property buffs. Okay, yeah. So there, that's there's probably three or four parts to that question. That. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've, I've asked you at least a couple. <laughs> times no, no, yeah, um, no. Like so, basically, one of the principles of advice is giving clients advice into investments that are going to protect their wealth and grow their wealth. And a big part of that strategy is diversification. So if you look at a, at a fund, you know, you normally wouldn't like to see someone completely in Aussie equities yep. uh, alone, like Aussie shares. And so the same way you wouldn't like to see someone completely in internationals or, um, you know, because I think especially now more than ever, um, you know, Trump can tweet uh, on a company and wipe billions off a stock over over and overnight. And, uh, you know, then things like Brexit hit you out of left centre and there's China trade tariff wars and, um, you know, natural and, and, and all kinds of terrorists and disasters and wars and, so things are a lot more for in terms of technology and you know if you're kind of got all your eggs in one basket it's a bit like you've got to wait 
the time for that investment to do its thing. And if you wanted to pull it out at a, at a particular point in time, so say with the GFC, if you had just prepared for retirement in the years leading up to your retirement, you'd built up a good little nest egg and then the GFC had hit and it, 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 it took nearly 10 years to, to recover. We're, we're pretty much at a 10-year point now and, um, you know, we're, we're sort of up to where we were before the GFC roughly in terms of where the ASX sits. But, you know, if you had had to retire, then your value of your investment is much lower and it's the same with property. So, you know, no one wants to buy a property at the peak of the market and no one that I know of that has to would sell a property at the bottom of a market and lose, uh, you know, Forty percent off the value of the property. So, the principle of diversification in different asset classes is just so that if one asset's performing well, generally others won't perform as well. So, the the vice versa goes with defensive and and growth assets, and that's why you kind of do it to try and minimise the portfolio downside and downturn. Uh, and and capture growth too. So with property as well, the the value of a property is quite significant or quite high. And, you know, I think that if somebody, you know, comes to to an advisor and and they say, oh, look, you know, I want to do a property and and I want to do this and that, well, if that's all they've got, then they're very heavy in property and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, a lot of people have done very well with property. Um, so there's nothing wrong with with that. And, and it's, you know, it's a client preference and a choice. But I think that initially someone's reaction might be, well, hang on a second, you know, there's not a lot of diversification here. You've already got some property. Um, if you put this chunk of funds in this other property, um, you know, what, what about a, an investment portfolio and kind of offset that or more into super and, 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 and alike. So I think that's one aspect. Um, the, the second for, for myself, and this scares a lot of people, uh, there's good advisors out there and unfortunately, and a lot of it's probably come out in the Royal Commission, there's been people that have been licensed and they've been linked to real estate firms and I guess they were spruiking SMSF, self-managed super property investments and Mm -hmm. off the plan investments and they were taking commissions and clipping tickets and, you know, getting real estate fees and, 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 um, you know, things like that for doing it. And, you know, I'm not saying that's, that's that's a kind of a broad generalization, but that really scares me if there's people that were doing that and not disclosing it correctly or doing it at the detriment to a client, because that's against what we practice and what we're about, you know, you've got to put the client's best interest first and um, you're not allowed to have a conflict of interest like that. And I think that that is a reason why a lot of advisors, good advisors can be a bit skeptical or scared about, you know, a proposal for an investment. And I can't tell you the amount of times I get phone calls from 
you know, I guess real estate companies offering me that. Yeah, of course. Trying, yeah. you know, developers, they're saying, oh, if you get your clients in this, we'll give you this commission, it'll be this percentage and you'll make a lot of money. Mm. So, you know, the fact that that practice is still going on is, is very scary to me. So you're going to have uh, good advisors out there skeptical on the property for that reason. It's funny how with um, some of these developments, they talk about how hot the property is and what the capital growth prospects are and how people are going to jump on it. Yet we'll give you 20 grand to help us sell it because we're actually struggling ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And they want access to your clients and your your stamp of um, your endorsement. So um, to be honest, um, I, th- I think that stuff's still going on a bit. Uh, I think it's tightened up. But, you know, that, that was sort of like this freight train out of control, I remember, five, six years ago. And um, I, I, I don't know the the detriment to some people, but I, I, I'd been aware of clients that have just lost money in those things yeah. because the va- like they've, they've purchased it, the value's there, uh, and then there's been an oversupply of apartments off the plan and, the you know, they might make some rent, but the, the capital value's gone down. Um and so, you, you raise a really great um, point about then, the diversification too. I mean, like if you've got eight hundred grand to invest in in certain places, that's probably not even one property, but on average, it's probably one. But I'm guessing that you can be extremely diversified outside of property with that amount of money, right? Exactly. And the the thing is as well is that there's liquidity. So what I mean is that uh, you know. You can pull that out and 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 get your funds in a couple of days. And with a property, you know you're, I guess, at the mercy of another buyer, and um, you know the fees and, uh, you know, there's things that are not factored into the property like uh, occupancy. So if if you've got it unoccupied, you can't fill it. Um, you know repairs, body corporate fees. There's quite a lot more into and. But I understand why Aussies love it. It's, it's something physical. You can see it. You can touch it. Uh, you know you know what it is. And we've had a really good love story with property. Uh, we, we've had a very good period of, of growth where, you know, for many years people just put funds into a property and, you know, they'd pull them out a year later and yeah. make 100 grand. <laughs> or, you know, so... Uh, a lot of people have made a lot of wealth of property and, and so, you know, and it is generally viewed as a safe um, investment and I, and I can see why people do like it. It's just that I think that whatever the process is there, you just need to make sure you've got due diligence and it's not someone trying to take you for a ride on, you know, something that may not be what it property seems. Property certainly had um, it, its run and that, and that sort of, leads me to another question I wanted to ask you, James, and and that's, I guess, about, about money being at least appearing to be hard to make at the moment. You know, banks aren't lending to investors, certainly with property like they used to, properties coming off the boil in, in the majority of the major cities. You know, the stock market's not exactly roaring along at the moment. What what what, what advice would a financial planner like yourself give in a, in a market like this? Should, or should people be a little bit more patient and not trying to get the these, you know, massive returns, you know, within the first year? Yeah, so um, in general terms, so any advice has got to be personal to the, you know, the, the individual and 
their circumstances. So, you know, definitely if, if anyone listening wants advice, go see a financial planner or, or give us a call uh, and, and, and have a meeting. But um, generally speaking, uh, you know, we've had a really good run with Aussies, Aussie shares, um, the US shares. There's quite a lot of market noise at the moment talking about how, um, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, the ASX is overvalued uh, and the US is as well. So what I mean by that is that, you know, there's a good core bulk of the companies that their price, when you look at the valuation, is over what you'd want to be paying for them. Uh, and, that, and that means that, you know, the value should come down at some stage. So we've seen that in the last three weeks to a month or six weeks where, um, you know, there's been a lot of news about money being wiped off markets and, and people getting unsettled and everything. So at the moment, uh, you know, with with a lot of clients, I think the strategy's been taking into consideration that and I think we've started to take some risk off the table and get clients parking in a little bit more cash um, in the portfolios just so that they're in a position where should we go through a downturn in the market, which is what a lot of people are saying is, is mm-hmm. you know, overdue or coming. And if you look at a market mm-hmm. cycle, we're at about a 10-year period and, you know, that's sort of generally a time frame where, you know, if you look at them, we're, we're sort of due for another cycle. And, I mean, it's just something that happens and, um, you know, it is a really difficult time at the moment um, for that to happen. So with those portfolios, I guess when that does happen, there's more cash available to, to help prevent there being such a downturn as in, um, you know, going down as, as much in the GFC, a lot of portfolios, uh, not talking about ours, but just in general, if you have a typical high growth fund uh, and you've got, you know, good Aussies, um, you know, US and international exposures um, at a high percentage, you know, 80, 90% growth assets, um, you know, some of those went down 40%, 45% in GFT. So, you know, what I was talking about before um, in just trying to minimise any downturns, and I'm not saying there's anything like a, a GFC coming at all. I mean, you know, there's some people saying that and others say, you know, and no one's got a crystal ball, so no one knows. Um, but, you know, if you're in a more defensive position and there is a bit of a downturn, then you're in a, a position where we can adjust the portfolios to capture, um, you know, it is an opportunity. Um, same as you would in a property market. So say, um, you know, I think there's talk, of, and, and this is probably your area of expertise, but, uh, you know, some parts of city market mm-hmm. down 15% on the year. So on paper, it's probably, you know, in a year or two, you know, a better time to be buying property because the market's down. So it's the same thing with the shares and and funds is that, you know, if you've got a good quality company and the stocks are cheap because there's been a, um, you know, a dip in investments, well, that's where it's a good time to buy and then hold them for the longer term and ride the cycle up again. And, people like Warren Buffett and investors out there that try to look at things like that and take emotion out of it, um, it's quite hard because the papers will be mm, saying yeah. that the world is ending and, 
they they looking into companies and going, well, this is actually a good quality business out there. It's you know it's good, it's performing well. We can't see that going anywhere. It's been around for a long time. They look at you know who's managing it, the cash on the sheets, balance sheets, and that's when they'll look at buying companies because they're they're at a good value, and 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 that's how people generally build build wealth. Um, you know, if you see that in the paper and you panic and you sell out. It fits you, you pretty well with that in a loss adage there. of, you know, be fearful okay. when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful too. Absolutely. And, and that's it. I was talking, basically what I was talking about there is the, they call it the roller coaster of emotion with investments. And, you know, there's heaps of stuff on there and you see these people loving it on the way up. But as soon as it starts to go down, um, they're freaking out and selling. And that's not what you want to be doing then. Um, but, um you know, it's it's the contrary to that. So, yeah, probably back to well, the the initial question. You know, I kind of diverged a bit into you know markets, portfolios, economics, and stuff. But you were kind of talking about property and um, you know what do you do and how do you get a return? And I, I don't think that you should ever look at something as a quick win overnight. I mean, a good rule of thumb is that if you're in a taxi and you hear the taxi driver telling you to buy Bitcoin or whatever. Um, I wouldn't be doing that. I mean, basically what, what I mean is you know, if you're at a barbecue and someone's telling you about a great investment or do this or do that, the chances are that you're there's been a bubble and and you're likely to have missed out on that bubble. So, you know, the quick wins and returns overnight, look, just forget it. You may as well go to the casino and, and throw your money on black or red and give it a go. And that's what, unfortunately, a lot of people just want to get rich quick. But if you take a step back and say, look, this is a long-term game and let's just do it bit by bit, um, yeah, like it's it's difficult in a market like we're in now because we're kind of at the top of a cycle like I was talking about. And, you know, I think we haven't had good wages growth in Australia and um, I think living expenses have kept climbing. So... Families and people out there are already feeling pressure on their budgets, their bills, their expenses, um, you know, with electricity prices increasing. So the other side of that is that debt has been easy, like you were talking about, for, for quite some time, um, where we've got record low interest rates. It was very easy to get a loan um, for a lot of people up until about a year ago. And... All of a sudden now the banks uh, are tightening up on the lending, which, you know, has been a result of, um, yeah. you know, I think the Royal Commission looking into the way yeah. that they're approving loans. And there's a lot of pressure for, uh, I think, politics for people with investment properties and negative gearing to sort of do something about it. And um, so there was the tightening on lending uh, on investment properties and foreign investors. So... We're kind of at a, at, a, at a funny time where it's hard to get a loan. You know, it's hard to get in the market. We've got low interest rates and, and you know, the, the market's kind of at the top of a cycle. Like we've had a good year, but now we're, we're in a rocky territory. So, um, you know, you've got to kind of then sit back and, and long-term just look at what do you want to do? What's the short-term plan? What's the medium-term plan? What's the long-term plan? You know, and, and, and get advice around what's the best thing for you to do. And there's certainly strategies out there, um, but it really depends on 
individual and what you want to do with with the funds because um you know if you do the wrong thing uh and, and by the wrong thing i mean the wrong thing for you if you do what someone tells you to do and it's not the right strategy for you well you know you you know i kind of diverged a bit into market to recover or um you know wait some time for um you know an opportunity to get those funds if you need them yeah. speaking of which james if if people are interested in 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 getting in touch with you for some advice or perhaps even just a selfie how do they get in touch with you <laughs> so uh on online um so i've got a, a company james street financial and uh, i also work for lci financial services as a director there as well so um you know one's accounting and finance and one's my own uh, company so you know, they can reach out and say hi and, and get in touch and, um, you know, we can we can grab a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Just to wrap us up, James, and this might be a bit of a tricky one, but if there's one piece of advice that you could impart to people that are, are looking to, to grow their financial base and, and, and set a plan for where they want to be financially, what, what would that advice be? It pays to have good advice. So, uh, I think that... There's a lot of people out there telling you what to do. There's a lot of information from different sources and there's no one way to skin a cat or there's no one way to, to get there. Um, you know, I'm not in a harming animals, but um, <laughs> <It's an unfortunate. laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. So literally there's, look, there's a million pathways and, you know, they can all be right, but it doesn't mean they're all right for you. And that's why it pays to get, good advice and, you know, even just chat to an advisor on a no obligation and have a good accountant and, you know, really I think nut out your strategy and your own strategy and not worry about what everyone else is doing. Um, you know, with prices really high in housing, you know, people can freak out and wonder how, how are we going to get there, are we ever going to get there. Um, but just have faith and if you get your own strategy together before you know it you'll be on your way That's awesome james thanks very much for your time it's been a pleasure no worries thank, thank you, you so much <laughs>